Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention today comes to us from the Gospel reading from Matthew chapter 22, verses 12 and 13. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So far our text. What does your clothing say about you? Clothing retailers ask this question with their advertisements. Clothing is important. Everyone wants to wear the proper brands to feel accepted by those around them. But is Abercrombie and Fitch, Aeropostale, or whatever rolls down the runway in Milan the clothing you should worry about? God tells you no. God wants you to wear other clothing. Clothing is important, but for the wrong reasons. Clothing was created to cover man's shame. When Adam and Eve were created, they wore no clothing. Clothing became necessary after Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. They were ashamed of their nakedness. The first clothes were fig leaves. They sewed fig leaves together to cover their shame. Covering their own shame was insignificant. They still couldn't hide it. God pointed out their shame. They were as speechless before God as the man without the proper wedding garment. God had to cover it. He killed animals to make hides to hide Adam and Eve's shame. That's where the term hides comes from for animal skins. They were designed to hide the shame of humanity's sinfulness. But now clothing has become a status symbol. Clothing can define who you are. A police officer, a firefighter, and a member of the armed forces are easily recognizable in their uniform. The same can be said for some clergy. You see the black shirt and the collar, and you know they are clergy. Their clothing defines them. But definition can be taken too far. When I was a freshman or sophomore in high school, the youth group at our church declared a clothing contest. Most of their parents were successful businessmen, lawyers, and doctors. This wasn't a contest as to who had the best clothes. It was the contest to see who had the most clothes. No one was allowed to wear the same thing to church or school, until they depleted their entire wardrobe. I was disqualified the next Sunday because I only had one set of church clothes. Their focus was on the quantity and not the quality of the clothing being worn. But God calls us to focus on the quality of the clothing that we have. Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? The quality of the clothing matters. The quality of your clothing affects your eternal destiny. Your biggest problem is wanting to dress yourself. Like Adam and Eve, you want to choose what covers your shame before God. For them, it was fig leaves. For you, it's often your self-image. You cover your shame by saying that you're basically a good person. Just a few problems here and there, but you're basically a good person. Those who spurned the king's invitation thought they were too good to accept the invitation. Too good to be in the king's house. Too good to celebrate with his son. They ignored the invitation. The way that many people have ignored the invitation today. There are 230 members in this congregation. We should have the sanctuary packed. But people have other priorities. They have better things to do than be in worship. Ultimately, they believe they're too good to be in worship. What happens to them? The king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. The king destroyed those who arrogantly thought they were too good for his invitation. 
the man without the wedding garment was destroyed by his own presumption. He thought he could just sneak into the wedding feast even though he really didn't belong. Why doesn't he belong? He has the wrong clothes on. He has his own clothes, clothes that he made, clothes that work against him instead of for him. The clothing that is needed is the clothing that God gives. Adam and Eve couldn't go through life with the fig leaves. Wearing inappropriate clothing into the wedding feast will get you thrown out, thrown into the eternal darkness of hell. Darkness because God's light and presence is removed. Without God's light and presence, there is nothing but eternal darkness and emptiness. Great weeping and sorrow, gnashing of teeth because there is no comfort, completely rejected from God, forsaken as eternally condemned, eternally condemned because they have the wrong clothes on. Those properly clothed have been clothed by Christ in baptism. Not just clothed by him, clothed in him. The water of your baptism touched your flesh and cleansed it. Not only an outward cleansing, Christ's perfect righteousness came upon you. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Christ's perfect righteousness completely and perfectly covers your sinful shame. Forgiveness of sins has been given to you. In many churches, a white garment is given to the baptized child. Usually the child is already dressed in a white garment. By their clothing, they are outwardly witnessing to what is happening to them inwardly. This is mirrored at the end of life by the funeral pall. Many don't seem to understand the purpose of this white sheet that's often placed on the casket during the service. It's a final signification of the person's baptism. In holy baptism, so-and-so was clothed with the robe of Christ's righteousness that covered all his sin. The funeral pall is the same thing as the baptismal garment. It's a reminder of the eternal clothing that God has mercifully clothed you with. Only through God's mercy is salvation possible. Salvation comes by being clothed with Christ. St. Paul illustrates Christ's righteous clothing with the Christian's armor, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, gospel of peace for your shoes, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit. None other righteousness can help you obtain entrance into the wedding feast. Only those clothed in Jesus' death and resurrection can enter into the wedding feast of the Son that will never end. The man without the wedding garment is cast into eternal darkness. Those with the wedding garment are brought into eternal light. But we don't spend all our time in that feast. We portray Christ to the world by being clothed with him. No one clothed in Christ is worthy in and of themselves. No one invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb is worthy in and of themselves. We witness this unworthiness to the world. Those who came in their place were both good and bad, gathered from the main roads. These heard the invitation and graciously accepted their Lord coming down to meet them where they were. They followed the servants, knowing that they were unworthy of this gracious invitation. They are those we should emulate as we sing, O God, let us hear when our shepherd shall call, in accents persuasive and tender, that while there is time we make haste, one and all, and find him our mighty defender. Listening to the invitation, you can get in the door of the wedding feast. The wedding feast prepared before the foundation of the world. Isaiah tells us, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well refined. This vision gives us the assurance of God's grace and favor. Where streams of living water flow, my ransomed soul he leadeth. 
and where the verdant pastures grow with food celestial feedeth. The wedding feast is the feast of salvation, the feast where everyone who is called and chosen will sit with their Lord and Savior at his table, celebrating the great gifts he has given us. Those who sit at the feast sit there because God is faithful. He is delivered on every promise he has made to his people. After his people were scattered in exile to the four corners of the earth, he promised that he would one day gather everyone together again. After the apostles were driven out of Jerusalem, they went throughout the known world, teaching and preaching the Lord Jesus. Christians were made in all the uttermost parts of the earth, gathered together into the mystical communion of Christ's holy church. A multitude comes from the east and the west to sit at the feast of salvation with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the blessed, obeying the Lord's invitation. Gathered together in one place around one table, we see the great grace of our Lord as he spreads the table before us. He pours out his blood from his chalice into the cups of our souls that we overflow. Where the paschal blood is poured, death's dread angel sheathes his sword. Israel's host triumphant go through the wave that drowns the foe. Where Jesus' blood is poured out, there is no death, only life. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. With this feast, the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. There will be no sorrow or mourning. The reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. Everything that holds us back and holds us down in this life will be gone. These struggles are replaced by eternal light, joy, and comfort. These blessings are given to those who eat at the feast. God's light is his son at whose wedding feast we're eating. We sing about this great light as we say, Mighty victim from the sky, hell's fierce powers beneath you lie. You have conquered in the fight. You have brought us life and light. Our feasting revels in Jesus' conquering of sin, death, and the devil in the fight on the cross. At the Lamb's high feast we sing praise to our victorious King, who has washed us in the tide, flowing from his pierced side. We sing praise because Jesus was victorious over our greatest enemies. Not only has he been victorious, he has given us the victory as well. The heavens shall ring with an anthem more grand than ever on earth was recorded. The blessed of the Lord shall receive at his hand the crown to the victors awarded. Because Jesus has conquered death, now no more can death appall. Now no more the grave enthrall. You have opened paradise, and your saints in you shall rise. This resurrection grants you the greatest comfort. You know God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He is the king of love. So we can say the king of love my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. God's comfort allows us to say, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Rejoice in his salvation by wearing the clothing he gives you in your baptism. What does your clothing say about you? Being clothed with Christ means everything. Being clothed with Christ gives you the joy and comfort that comes with being a child of God. Being clothed with Christ gives you an eternal status that no one can take away. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.